Welcome to First Unitarian Society of Minneapolis, the birthplace of Congregational Humanism. We carry on that tradition of free thought today, dedicated to promoting a free search for truth, meaning, and justice. Our web address is firstunitarian.org. I'm David Breeden, Senior Minister. Welcome. to change the pace. Y'all know y'all in trouble when y'all with me. And y'all, I'm sure y'all know y'all in trouble when you with this But it's one. a good trouble. It is a good <laughs> trouble. Uh, you know, I went to the leather ball. Um, yes. And I, I put the on some, uh, some, some wonderful vinyl and had on my heels and I went out in Minneapolis and it was sexy, honey. It was sexy. Uh, I thought I, I you know, I had, to, I had to be decent today. Um, but I <laughs> now, Jay, I'm just going to jump in and just cut you off right there for a moment, okay? Because we got to prepare these folks. Okay. All right. So, friends and fam, if you haven't caught on quite just yet, all right, we have a conversation for you today, Hello. all right? Now, for those of us who might not know, but maybe most of us do, so I used to be in a former life an evangelical Excuse Christian me. pastor, right? There we go, Excuse absolutely. Me. And it was on the more, shall we say, socially progressive on? side of things. What's that? Yes, oh. It was on this more socially progressive side of things, and yet... Excuse whoa. me! I'm here. I was going to prepare the congregation first for the fact that we're talking about sex. Okay. And if That's as evangelicals it. we could talk about sex. You can't have a conversation about love well, without then, me. Without love. Well, then without love. What's love okay, got to okay. do with it in the words of Tina Turner? What's love got to do with it? What does love have to do with it? I mean, okay, love, thank you for, for joining us or barging in or listening hey, in on our conversation. Hey. There is nothing wrong with this reality. No need to adjust your multimedia device. I am the voice of love, and I am in full control of this transmission. If we wish to make it louder, we will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will tune it to a whisper. We control the x-axis and the y-axis, and all that wibbly-wobbly goodness. Woo! We can bring the heat of attraction. We can warm the iced heart. This dimension, it is under our control. For the message, sit quietly as we control all that you see and hear. You are about to participate in the great adventure. As we grow in our understanding of love, you are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to embrace the multiverse of madness and love. Please stand by. <laughs> Imagine, if you will, a dialogue about the expansiveness of love with the voice of love, me! I am your host. Today I am joined with Drew Beckius. And over on the other side, we've got Jay Exodus. Woo 
your host, for this message. I don't know why they keep thinking it's about them. It's never about them. <laughs> I am the voice of love, and love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Love is not jealous. What are you talking about? Sounds like a recipe for jealousy. Where well, is the love? All polyamory sounds like is sex. What are you talking about? Well, I mean, we're just simply talking about polyamory today. I mean, yeah. to, you, you mean know, polygamy? Barely got started. I hadn't even said the word yet. No, you no, I don't polygamy. mean polygamy. Love has no need for those power dynamics. Well, right, we're not talking about, you know, polygyny and, and where it's more, you know, focused on one male figure over many wives. We're not talking about polyandry, which is, of course, you know, one femme figure over many... We're talking about polyamory. Uh, polyamory, where there, there's an ability to love many more. loves. Yeah, right. yeah it's many. many if, if not only many, any. Sure. Could love. Well, it's many loves as opposed to many sexual engagements or many one-night stands. It's many loves. It's many ongoing, long-term, committed relationships. But what, I, what are, what are, why, would, why is there a need? Why do we need to challenge monogamy and the boundaries and capacity of such a sacred union? Well, let's, let's be clear. We're not, we're not challenging. Uh, we're definitely not challenging. I think you know, I, we find that monogamy is still yet sacred for those who need it and those who flourish in it. Uh, I myself, though, as a polyamorous person, have to say that the beauty of being able to understand my capacity and my understanding with being in community, mm. with having those who can share in a level of intimacy and wonder and imagination mm. to create a moment of beauty, and not only beauty, but actual commitment with consent mm. and accountability. I get to be accountable to partners that have so many different understandings than me as I move through this world with possibility. And I'm called in, not only ca called out, but called in to be a better person because of them. How, is, how, how do you experience your polyamory? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Jay. So for myself, I've considered myself for about a decade or so, I've been living as what's called ethically non-monogamous. Okay. Which I get questioned a lot, well, what? the hell is ethically non-monogamous mean? So we, we break it down, right? E-N-M for short. So it's not monogamy, all right, non-monogamous, but it's the ethical variety as opposed to the running around behind people's backs. Hold on, you're a slut? Non-monogamous. Well, there's a fantastic book called The Ethical Slut that okay. everyone could check out, okay? So, but so it's ethically done as you're navigating, okay. right? That said, maybe a little bit different, maybe a little distinguished from yourself. So okay. at the same time, you know, I really like to focus on one long-term committed relationship at a time, largely because they just take so damn much work, all right? Um, I can't imagine having more. Well, I can, I have, but that's where I like to use the term monogamish, 
one long-term relationship, but there's a good deal of sexual freedom. Okay, remember, the evangelicals can talk about sex on Sunday morning, so can we, all right? <laughs> in terms of poly, I've dabbled in poly. I've had what we refer to as situationally poly. I may again, I'm open to it, and for that reason, I consider myself poly open, I guess. Open is okay. But mainly, I just like lots of sex. I, well, you know, I mean, what is wrong with sex, right? It is a but real thing. But that would be a difference, though, right, between true polyamory and more of a monogamish. Well, I, well see, because you're saying monogamish, and I mean, right, I, I, this is the funny thing, right? There is no wrong or right way to do this thing. Mm -hmm. Everyone has Absolutely. their own entry point to having their understanding within their own relationship. So as long as you practice right relationship. Yes. Come on. Yes. As long as you practice healthy dialogue, mm. where you are constructing with your partners an understanding of who you are, while also giving them back their agency to respond back to you to say if they want to participate or be a part of this process, yes. then we are, we are, you are still engaging in Absolutely. polyamory. Mm, there we go. It, it's not absent Absolutely. from care. Once care has been dismissed, you are challenging your ability to love more. Our rational understanding is that we've always wanted polyamory to be this thing of where it is many loves. May I offer you just a slight different philosophy or ethic for a minute? That polyamory gives you the ability to increase your capacity to love more. Yes. Not many loves, but for you to practice loving more, to dare to love yourself, and love yourself to a place where you fall in love with you, in the words of Eartha Kitt, only to share who you are with someone else, right? Can I get from love, love, would you mind giving me a declaration that we can just share with our community? There we go. So today, if you haven't, consider this that we are learning today to cultivate and affirm various relationship dynamics that can be publicly declared as an act of love in our congregation. So this might be different because not everybody walks in with two. They might walk in with three. They might walk in with somebody different than they had last Sunday. Oops, right? We are. <laughs> We are declaring an act of love for our congregation. We are building healthy strategies and a language within this community today. Yes. You will be uncomfortable, and you might feel like, I don't know where to start, but I'm inviting you. One that informs consent as a community of love. One where we, as each other, hold each other accountable in upholding these values. So we don't find it strange when we meet someone different. Mm. Right? So, I, I think, Drew, you're on the, on, the, on, the, on the thing here with this. I mean, even if it is sexual. I mean, Marvin Gaye sang about sexual healing. We just listened to, I want you. But he makes it very clear. The right way. Mm. I want you. Mm. But I want you to want me too. Yes. Right? It's Absolutely. a balance of connection, meaning making, love making story making and believe it or not we do it in this room sometimes it's not even about sex at all polyamory 
Sometimes we have family. You've heard me do it. I have an Auntie Kelly. That's a poly experience. Ooh. But we're not in the same bedroom. Oh, I just messed with your mind. <laughs> but I will come over to eat. <laughs> right? How do we expand, right? Yeah. I think that that, I think we need to talk about this thing that love does want us to talk about most of all. Mm. Love says that it's not jealous. Mm. You still haven't answered my question. Mm. I'm serious about it. I really want you to answer this question. My question about jealousy, what if love is more than what I have provided? Are you saying, you know, I know that I get jealous. Mm. Are you saying love is jealous? That's a good question. You know, you want to kick us off on that one? I'm Love's got some good questions, hard questions. Jealousy is not an easy conversation. No, but I get jealous, mm. and I love deeply. And I also go through insecurity. Mm. And being polyamorous and saying that I'm jealous doesn't exempt me from being polyamorous. Saying that I'm insecure doesn't mean that I'm not polyamorous. It doesn't mean I shouldn't practice it. It doesn't mean that I'm any less than the other person. And it doesn't mean that I need to hop into monogamy just because I get jealous. Pardon me in your monogamishness. <laughs> no, for me, it's just the work. It just takes so much work. You know? It does. Yeah. But one of the things is, is that, like, truly, like, jealousy is a healthy ingredient that we can learn from. Insecurity is a healthy ingredient that we can learn from. Now, we might not like what we're learning. We might not like what is being revealed, but if we can be honest with ourselves about the capacities we hold for ourselves, how we show up for ourselves, can I invite you into an idea about being polyamorous with me for a few minutes? The first poly configuration for me starts with me, myself, and I. So it is not about many partners. It is about me knowing who I am and regulating who I shall be in them. If I do not like the person I become when I'm with my partner, in a relationship with my partner, I don't need to be with them. And Jay, maybe we can, maybe, maybe, maybe we break it down like this. In other words, jealousy is real. Mm -hmm. And just because you're poly, or whatever variation of it you are, right? Just because you're poly doesn't mean jealousy does not exist, does not mean that you need to pretend that jealousy is not real within you. Because jealousy is a real human emotion. Jealousy is embedded within us. And whether we are poly, full poly, situationally poly, monogamish, or just straight up traditional good old school monogamy, either way, there is this facet of humanity where we feel a jealousness for our partner and how they divert their time, potentially. Whether they are, their time is divided with work commitments, whether their time is divided with family obligations, mm -hmm. whether their time is divided with those hobbies that you can't stand and they dare go without you to play yet another round of golf, right? So jealousy and wanting, craving more of what you're not getting in terms of time and attention and affection from your partner or partners is a role in your relationship either way. The difference here is that with Polly, with multiple 
relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The only difference is that their time is also divided with other humans, which can be a little, a little funky at first, right? But the key is not, the answer is not to pretend that jealousy is not there or to bury it down and ignore it. No, the key, just like with any hard emotion, is to bring it in open communication with your partners to discuss it, especially if there's pain points involved, because there are going to be pain points involved, okay? Wait a minute, one of our agreements is you don't, you, you use other beds, not ours. And you brought someone to our bed. We agreed that you wouldn't bring it to our, this is our bed, or whatever the agreements may be. We'll talk more about agreements. Okay, you, you about All to right? go in? Yeah, I can, yeah. Hear, I can hear the evangelical in you coming yeah, up hey, again. Yeah, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> but the key, work through those pain points in open dialogue and one of respect and agreement, just like you would with any other hard emotion, just like you would with any other important relationship. I think it's important that we yeah. that, that that yes we do there is of course agreements or rules of engagement for some um, and those are your boundaries. Yeah. There are boundaries. You can rob someone of their agency and that is what you can what can be considered as cheating. Robbing them of their agency. That is the you know and most people think oh well that's po- it's impossible to cheat when you're poly. Oh honey. <laughs> It's very possible. Don't make me call you out, right? I, I, think, I think there is, there's also this important factor with accountability. This accountability practice is something that we have to do even in our congregational communities. We have to do as a collective community, but we refuse to do it because we don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. Mm. We refuse to unveil our emotions because we don't want anybody else to think that we're weak. Mm. I'll say that again, weak. Mm. That's really important. Accountability and why we have accountability. The connection between what is accountable. Thank you. So love. what is accountability between partners? Polyamory and everything you're describing, even understanding of the emotion, sounds like a mockery of love's name. All is vanity, selfishness, meaningless, Are you giving up on love? You giving up on me? No. I'm going to say no, that we do not give up on love. That everyone in this room, whether they are polyamorous, monogamous, or whether they are happily single, Mm. never give up on you no matter what your configuration or relational formation is. Because you matter. Your heart matters. How you feel matters. Your intellect matters. Your emotions are a form of intelligence that tell you how you matter. They are a form of intelligence that informs your process and how you move forward with others in the world. As soon as you find that connection, not only between yourself, but maybe someone else, it is not selfish to love yourself. It is not meaningless to find meaning in who you are and what you need. It is all purposeful. 
What do you think, Drew? Hmm. So many things. I think accountability begins in a place of respect. And it's in that space of respect for one another and respect for your partners. It's there in that space of respect where the rules of engagement, if you call it, or where the set of agreements, the framework that you construct together, it's there in that space of respect where those things emerge, those agreements emerge. When we think of even just you know a traditional monogamous relationship, what does cheating look like then? Cheating looks like a couple who says, listen, X, Y, and Z, you don't, you don't go outside of this relationship for whatever these things may be, okay? And some monogamous relationships, oh, flirting's okay, but no touching, you know, whatever may be. But even within monogamy, you don't seek X, Y, or Z outside of this relationship, or that is breaking the rules, which is cheating the rules, right? Same thing here. Same thing here with Polly. It's just more relationships. Once you add more relationships into the mix, the dynamics of what those agreements, X, Y, and Z, what that looks like maybe looks a little different. Not so traditional, right? But it's the same concept. You have difficult conversations, uncomfortable conversations to discuss where are we and what do we expect of one another and you draw it up. And what I found is those who do consider themselves polyamorous, those who, are, who navigate the world of polyamory inward and outward tend to be excellent communicators because you have to be to thrive and survive. Honestly though, even to have a good monogamous relationship, you gotta be a great conversationalist and communicator then too. That part. Right? <laughs> but it all begins though with having a space of respect for one another and respect for the agreements. You, and those agreements may shift over time, mm -hmm. but as they shift through communication, mm -hmm. you, uh, you, you, you keep them up, and that's where it thrives. Yeah, yeah. So what's the point of all this? Why do we have this conversation today? Why are we here? Why are we listening to this? Well, I, th I think the important thing is that this is the beginning of a conversation, right? This is not the end of the conversation. This is the beginning of the conversation, which, by the way, keep in mind, we're continuing the conversation at noon over in the Dietrich Hall, okay, and also via Zoom, all right? So continue. Q&A, we'll keep talking, we'll keep dialoguing, and you can be part of, part of the experience, okay? But in that conversation that we're starting here today, each of us come at it from a different vantage point. Just like Jay and myself come at it from at least slightly different vantage points through all of life. You saw all the bullet points up there. Almost polar opposites in some things, all right? I think very polar opposites. <laughs> and each of us come to this conversation from a different vantage point. As you saw earlier, I am a cisgendered heterosexual male. I am white. I am liberal. I am non-theistic. I am poly, open, monogamish, definitely ethically non-monogamous, all right? That's where I come to this conversation from. Where do you come to this conversation from? Two things, two takeaways specifically, okay? One is even those of us who are on the more monogamous side of things as opposed to the polyamorous side of things, even for those of us, I think there's a lot that we have to learn in this conversation, a lot that we have to learn from polyamory. 
A lot to learn about self-expression, about self-embrace. A lot to learn about the, 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 the transparency and the vulnerability of love. So much to learn about good, healthy, open, honest, hard, but necessary communication. So much to learn about love and respect for one another. So much to learn. And then secondly, and perhaps most importantly, as humanists in community, it is critical that we co-create an open, safe space and community for all frameworks of love and romance and domestic partnership. We have, in our community here at First Unitarian Society in Minneapolis, in our community, we have mm -hmm. polyamorous folks and families here. Yeah. And for that reason, if for nothing else, it is critical that we build and co-create a community where everyone is able to be fully their truest selves and not have to hide partners or the true structure of homes and households. And so this, this is where, in things like this, that deep work of what it means to be true humanist community, hmm, that's where we find the community that we truly, each of us, need, so desperately have to have. Love, what do you think? I hear you, I see you, and I am in awe. <laughs> Love takes off the mask that we fear we cannot live without and know we cannot, we cannot live within. I use the word love here not merely in the personal sense, but as a state of being or state of grace not in the infantile American sense of being made happy, but in the tough and universal sense of quest and daring and growth. And now we return control of reality to you. Until next time, the voice of love brings you back to the multiverse of madness and love. Thanks for listening. You can find much more about humanism and what's happening at First Unitarian Society in Minneapolis by visiting our website at firstunitarian.org.